Hey, uh, we're talking about worship today, corporate worship. And worship's not just that, okay? And let me, let me say this little disclaimer here, too. Not that we're trying to teach anybody how to worship, okay? Because, uh, tell you this, because all that is about style. It's about style. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, it's about style? Okay, because, here, let me tell you what I mean. Here's what I mean. All right, when I was a kid growing up, when I was a kid growing up, you went to any church, you didn't care. I mean, no matter what church you attend on Sunday, if they had revival going on a Friday night, you'd go to another denomination. And then on maybe Saturday night, they had a singing, you'd go over there. And if uh, you go to your church Sunday morning, and if they had a, a homecoming or something singing that afternoon, you might go to that church. And, and you'd, you'd go back and forth. People would go to different churches. And uh, a lot of times you'd go, and you wouldn't even know that you were in a different church. I remember going to my grandmother's church and, uh, for singings or things like that. And, you know, and sometimes I, I wouldn't even know I was in a different church than my home church because it was about style. I mean, now there were, you know, probably in, in my hometown where I grew up, a little, little small town, there were several churches that maybe had one or two doctrinal differences from us. One or two doctrinal differences. But when you went to church, I mean, when people were worshiping together, corporate worship, gathering together and worshiping, you know, unless they happened to be preaching on that, that particular item, you didn't know you were in a different place. But now today... Well, things are different, aren't they? I mean, you go, you go, uh, you know, just you go to the same denomination of churches in, a, in the same town, and it'll look totally different. And you know what that is? It's not doctrine; it's style. Okay, so when we're talking about worship, we're not talking about doctrine; we're talking about style. And some of you guys, you know, you're some of you, you know, some of you really into this, and some of you really into that, and some of you a little more laid back and all that. And thank God, because let me tell you this: you know, we need us. I don't need you, you don't need me, we need us. We need, we need all of us. We need the group, because God said we did. I, I'll prove that to you, I hope, in, in this message here in just a little while. But people, you know, sometimes you look around and you kind of think, boy, there's a lot of weird people in this church. You ever been, into, you ever been in a church that was weird? And some of you may be thinking, yeah, I'm in one right now. <laughs> you ever been, and you thought, there's some weird people around here. You better love them. You better get, because you know what? You're probably one of them. You know, cause I, got, I got a story I like to tell a lot of times to people because this guy said, he said he was talking to his friend one day and he said, I got to noticing just how crazy people are around me. And I told my friend, I said, you know what, I think everybody in this world is crazy but me and you. And sometimes I worry about you. You know, so you better get used to it because here's the thing about weirdness is weirdness is kind of based on which side of the issue you're on because while you're pointing at somebody saying they're weird, they're pointing across at you saying you're weird, you know. And so, and so we have to just deal with this. This is about style. And, you know, I kind of like that thing at the end where he's talking about the the woman with the the flag, you know. We have one of those, yeah. I I remember I was pastoring a place, and and the minister of music, he'd been to a church where, and he'd seen on video, and he'd been to a church where they were using flags, and he said, man, we got to get flags. He said, man, this is awesome. we got to get some flags. And I'm like, I just don't know about that. Well, we'd only had them one service because we put them in the hands of one lady that she was a little too free, and she conked somebody in the head. I said, flags are done. You know, so kind of like that, you know, stay in your own space, you know, and that goes both ways. And I, and, I, and I come from a very demonstrative type of worship. That's what I grew up in and all that. So, so uh, you know, I could say it both ways. I can say, you know, don't, you know don't, put, don't put your quietness over on me, and I won't beat you up with my hands, you know. Whatever. Let's enjoy one another's style because remember this. One of the things Paul tells us is Christ came to destroy the walls that separate us. Specifically, he talked about racism. There's neither Greek nor Hebrew anymore, Gentile, none of that. 
And, and, and he said, the gender also, neither male nor female. That, that, was, that was the thing that goes back to the Old Testament because it was a very, uh, that was a, a, a very patriarchal time. Everything was about, you know, men could get closer to God than women could. And Christ came to destroy all that, to tear down every wall between us. Then why in the world would God tear down all those walls? Christ come to tear down all those walls and then want us to raise up walls of style between us, you know, about how we worship those things. And so I, th- I thank God for, I, I really thank God, I, I don't maybe I'm weird because I, I like the weirdness of just, j- just a bunch of different people doing, you know, doing the worship the way they do it. I mean, you got to have that to be whole. You know, I, I, and I think I'm going to probably mention this a little later too. I think, I think that's a little bit what, Christ, uh, what uh, Paul was saying when he talked about how the body needs every single member. If all the, if all the body were hands, you know, we, we might get a lot done, but we'd only get stuff done in one place because we wouldn't have any feet to take us to other places to get things done. We wouldn't have any eyes to see what, what things needed to be done. We'd just be doing I mean, you've got to have it all. So thank God for that. This series this month called 12 is about a year of opportunity. You have a year of opportunity before you. And here's what, here's what I, I hope. We're going to have a word of prayer in just a second. And here's what I hope. When this service is over, not, not just the sermon, because uh, we cheated you on worship this morning. I don't know if y'all noticed, we only did two songs. We don't, yeah, yeah it, uh, somebody, I started calling your name, and I'm going to call your name, Patty. Uh, uh, she nodded her head. She was counting, you know. And if you were counting and you know that, then I'm glad we changed it up on you. I mean, if you're counting and you know how many songs we're supposed to do, then I'm glad we're changing it up on you this morning. Because you need, you need to be, have that thrown at you every once in a while. We cheated on that. We're going to add it to the end of this, okay? So I, I'm hoping, I'm going to do my best to end a little early so that we can have a little extended worship at the close. And here's, here's what, what I, when this service is over, I hope you have a, a greater hunger, a more intense desire, a, a better appreciation for the importance of corporate worship in your life. That's what I pray. And I, and I pray that you make the decision today. Now, now I said in a, a blog or a post, something I wrote just a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I didn't grow up in a house where we decided on Sunday if we went to church or not. My mom never woke me up and said, Rick, do you want to go to church this morning? Now, y'all, y'all, y'all get too quiet. I'll preach here a little while. You know, there was a decision made a long time before that Sunday. This morning, make a decision. This morning, make a decision. 2012 is a year of opportunity for my family. I'm going to tell you why you need to be in corporate worship. Make this decision today. And corporate worship is important to me. It's important to my family for all these reasons. And I'm making a decision today. Every Sunday morning that I wake up, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And everybody else can do their thing on Sunday. And sleep late if they want to. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How many more scriptures y'all want? Okay, I can give them to you. Okay, make a decision. This is a year of opportunity for you to get every single thing out of God you want. Last week we talked about it being the year of the prize. Then you've got to make some decisions about what you want out of this year. Choose right now. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, that I pastor such an awesome church. God, full of just so many weird people, God. Uh, just weird on this end, weird on that end, weird in the middle, God. And God, and I get it's like I get to be weird with all of them in all their different places. God, I get to I get to pray with some, I get to worship with some, God. I get to do so many. God, I just thank you, Lord, for the God, the awesomeness of who you've given to us as a church family. And I pray, God, that you give us a, an appreciation for one another and that, and that we appreciate uh, uh, how we all 
all fit in, God, in what we all can do. Thank you, God, for the I-dotters and the T-crossers. And, and thank you, God, for those people who, who hate organization. They just want to show up and make sure it all happens and gets done. God, I thank you for uh, those that are loud, those that are quiet. Thank you for those that are deep, God, and those that are little. God, even, even sometimes, sometimes, God, we praise you for those that are a little silly too, God. It's just, it's just thank you, God, for this beautiful, wonderful family that you've given us to be a part of. And I pray, I pray God, please, Give us an appetite for the corporate worship that we need to have in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Okay, so if you're a Christian this morning, you know what? All, all I need to do to make you understand the importance of worship is give you one scripture. i got one in Exodus right here. Okay. If you're a Christian, it is commanded. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Jesus said I didn't do away with the Old Testament. Okay, all right, and he's talking about corporate worship here. Okay, but... If you're a Christian, all you need is that one. You don't need five commands of God. You just need one. Okay, but I'm not even going to, that's not how we're going to approach this is by a command. Or I could take you to the, the, the Gospels and I could show you the custom of Jesus Christ. That word custom is right there in the very, you know, smack dab in the middle of this verse. Middle of the third line right there, the word custom. His custom. I'm, I am so glad that it was thrown right there. That Luke, when he was writing that, he put it, he put it right there to make sure that we saw that. You know, he could have just said, Jesus went to the temple. No, he said, he went to the temple because that was his custom. I'm glad that he said that because that lets me know. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I'm a pretty good person, so I don't need to go to church because I'm a pretty good person. I can be good without going to church. Anybody, ever heard anybody say that? Well, let me tell you something, okay? I don't care how good you are. If the Son of God needed to go to church, you need to go to church too. Say amen? Okay. So next time somebody tells you that, say, well, let me tell you something, you know. And you're not better than Jesus. You're not clean. There was a, Jesus needed to be there. That's why it was his custom. He needed it maybe for a different reason than you and I. Uh, except I'm going to show you some of that. Maybe it's not a different reason than you and I. And in Hebrews, there's a, a couple of verses in chapter 10 that uh, also, they began pointing us to those. You know, I, 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 I could tell you, you know, you just need to do this because you need, and we've all heard that preaching, you know, like you better be there. You, and, you know, but it's not just that. There's some benefit to that. Uh, Chapter, 20, uh, chapter 10, verse 24 in Hebrews says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? We need to encourage one another. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That, that first phrase there, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I don't really talk like that. You know, I don't really talk in New King James English, but I, I think I get it. Do you, do you get it there? It says, we should not forsake or we should not skip the gathering that we have on a regular basis, we should not skip corporate worship is what he's saying. Now, I've heard this all of my life used as a, a kind of a sledgehammer against you. Like, you, you better be in church, you because know, Hebrews 10, 25, you better be in church. That's not what this verse is all about. He says, don't forsake it. But go back to verse 24, because at the end of verse 24, there's a comma. You see, 25 starts with a little end because it's a continuation, okay? It doesn't mean that this is a brand new thought. He says, we need to gather together and provoke one another to good works and not forsake the gathering of our... Because why? Verse 24, we need to encourage one another to good works. There is encouragement in coming together in corporate worship. Let me tell you, this morning, uh, and I was thinking about this yesterday as as I was was going through this message again, I got to this point, I started thinking about people that I wanted to call their names out in in service and say, you are an encouragement. When I see your face here, it just encourages me. And then I thought, God, you got to help me because if I start doing that, I'm going to skip somebody that I need to say and I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. So I'm going to try not to call any names, but let me just say this. I know what some of you are going through. Some of you are dealing with a hell on earth six days a week, and it encourages me to see that you will stand up on Sunday morning and say, I'm going to church because of 
for whatever reason. And you to be in here, it is encouragement for pastors. You see, so you know what? It's, and this is a two-way thing, see? See, I get encouraged because I come here and see all of you working, and then you're encouraging me by being here. And you know what? Then I do the same thing with you as I try to encourage you with this. And let me tell you another way we need to do this. And this is, this is something that I, I, we call it a rule. It's a five-minute rule. It's not a rule like we, we fire people for. But I've told the staff I really want you to do this. And I want leaders to do this. You know, we don't fire them if, we, if they don't get it right or whatever. But a five-minute rule is, is for the first five minutes after church, I don't want you talking to people that you're going to talk to all week long. I mean, you know, don't talk to your family. For the first five minutes, go find somebody that you don't know and encourage them. Pat them on the back. Say, man, I don't know your name, but I'm glad you're here. You know, I know that sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? But I, I don't mind somebody saying, hey, I haven't learned your name yet. But, and when you learn their name, speak their name to them. Isn't that encouraging when, some, when you, know, you go to a new place and somebody says, calls you by name, looks at your face and calls you by name? Call them by name and let them know. So, for, so, so help me with that. Five minutes. Don't talk to the people you're going to go eat lunch with today. Talk to somebody you don't know because you're encouraging them to let them know that they're part of this family, this group, this corporate group that is worshiping here together. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And it's not just to come to get encouragement. We also need to come to give encouragement. But there's really, in Ephesians chapter 4, this is really, this is really the passage of Scripture that I think more than anything tells us why we need corporate worship. Okay, now hang with me here just a minute, okay? Okay, we'll get back to some good stuff. This is good and deep right here. This is the meat. Catch the meat, okay? Then we'll get some dessert in a moment, okay? But get, get the meat with me right here, okay? Ephesians chapter 4. We use Ephesians a lot. We've used it a lot in, in what we talk about around here. It was he who gave some to be prophets, some, uh, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Um, as we're going, going to verse 12, but I just mentioned this about verse 11. These are gifts to the church. These are not gifts to the community, okay? They're gifts to the church. He put these offices right here in the church. And, and because to prepare God's people. God had a plan. God didn't say, you know, well, I get, they're going to need a preacher at 2911. They're going to need some teachers at 2911. So he stuck those people here because you're going to need them. No, God has a plan. You know, we talk about his dream. That's what we're all about. We want people to live the dream that God has for life. Not just a little bit of the plan, but the full dream that God has for life. God has a dream when he was forming you in your mother's womb. He was putting you all together. And he was dreaming about this awesome life that you would have. And God has a plan. And he has a plan for 2911. And he has a plan for all these churches. And in all these churches, he is, he is putting these offices and these talents, these gifts. And it is for the church. Why? So he can prepare the church. As a whole, prepare the church to do what? For works of service. To prepare God's people for works of service. That when you're going to be prepared by being here. That's, that's, that's one of the powerful things about corporate worship is you're being prepared by being here to get out and do something to some, for someone else. Not just what you do here, but what you do there because some, somebody tomorrow at work is going to need encouragement. There's somebody, I guarantee you, just about every one of you work with somebody who is in desperate need of prayer tomorrow. Tomorrow their life's going to be falling apart. Just about every one of you is working with somebody that's got some part of their life that is falling apart and they need prayer tomorrow. And, and, you know, and we're, we're not saying you've got you to stop and have a prayer meeting because you might get fired, you know, if you're on the clock and you stop and have a prayer meeting. I'm not saying that, but you need to encourage somebody. And you're going to get the opportunity, uh, you know, and, and I, you've had the opportunity before. I don't know if you've ever taken it or not, but I've been standing, I, I can think right now of, of a time not too long ago, standing in, in, in line at, at Walmart back in the tire center and having a, hearing a young lady talk about the problem she was having to the cashier right in front, and they were right in front of me. And, you know, I had the opportunity, you know what, I stepped in and said, hey, I just want you to know. I, I, you know, I'm a minister, and I was really concerned, and I want you to, I'm going to be praying for you today. That's encouragement. 
And that's the preparation. And there's so many other things that God can do through us in those communities that, that we live and we exist in. We all have three. Okay, if you hadn't heard that, we need to pre- teach to you about those three. You have three communities. And that God is preparing us as a church to do good works of service out there in those communities so that the body of Christ may be built up. And built up, what does that mean? That means get bigger. It means get stronger. You know, some people have a problem with churches that think about numbers. They say, oh, they all, all they're concerned about is numbers. Well, you know what? People are numbers. I mean, I know we don't like to say you're just a number or that kind of a thing, but you're not just a number. But when one more person comes to know Jesus Christ, that's one. If five people come to know him today, that's five. There are numbers, okay? So, so getting bigger in that way is a good thing because that means there are fewer people in the kingdom of hell and more people in the kingdom of God. That's a good thing, but it's not just about numbers. It's about strength. It's about getting bigger in that way. It's about being stronger and able to stand against whatever is coming against us. This is the, the reason, one of the reasons that we come together and he's given all these offices in the church and we don't get that. And I know people say, hey, you can go to heaven without going to church. I agree. But you're going to be limping to get there. I mean, I've often thought about it. You know, you know if, if heaven is like, if, if, you, if you compare it to crossing a river like they used to do in, in old songs when I was growing up, about talking about the River Jordan, you know, crossing the river and getting to the promised land and getting there. You think about it. You can swim across a river, right? I mean, you can even, you know, put some rocks in your pants if you hold your breath long enough. You know, you can walk across the bottom and get there. But, you know, the best way to get across the river is a boat, and, you know, and it's like the church is the best boat going to heaven. And so why in the world would you want to be swimming when there's a boat on the way and you just get on, get on board? It's a lot easier to do it the way God intended you to do it instead of trying to do it all by yourself. And so this is what he's doing is he set all these, all these offices in the church so to build this up. And then look at what the next verse, how, how it all changes. It all changes now from the focus on the whole church to until we all. Until we all. Here's what's happening in corporate worship. We all. Now, you know what the word all means? Y'all know what all means, right? But sometimes I think when we read all, we, we see that as, as a group because we see all, group. But this is, not, this is not the meaning here. It's not talking about all as a group. Imagine, if, if, uh, if I were to say the usher's about to pass out a test to everybody, we want everybody to take the test this morning. Don't get worried. We're not going to take a test, okay? This, this is just an imaginary illustration. We're not going to do this. But if we took a test this morning, we graded them all, then I stood up and said, hey, let me tell you how we did as a group. We scored 90%. You know what that would mean? That would mean some of you scored 95, some of you scored 85, and all over. And as a group, we averaged 90, right? That's what that would mean if I said as a group. But if I stood up here and I said, let me tell you how we did, we all scored 90. You know what that means? That means you scored 90 or above, and you scored 90 or above, and you scored 90, and you scored 90, and you scored 90. It means every one of us scored 90. Because that's different than as a group, we all until we all. The next things that we're going to talk about in this verse and the rest of this sermon, the blessings that come are not about the group. It's about you all. It's about single individually. That God doesn't just want His church to be built up and to be strong and have the blessings, but God wants you to have the blessings that you need in your life. God wants you to receive what you need in your life. God doesn't just want... uh, For instance, let's look at it. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith. That we all come together. That every single one of us. That, that there's not one single person in this church that is allowed by God's Spirit to just come on Sunday, every single Sunday, and fold their arms and look across the aisle and say, I don't like that person. 
God said, no, what I, have, what I have planned for you is that every single one of you loves every single one of the other ones, that you all love each other, that every single person. That's an awesome thing. I mean, you know, there are families out there that some people don't like some other people in the family. I mean, right? Amen? I don't want to raise your hand. You were, is that your family? I mean, that happens, right? But what God says, that's not my plan. My plan is that every single one of you is in unity together, that we all have unity in what? In the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. It's not that the church has knowledge. God wants you to have knowledge. God said, it's not okay with me that you say, well, uh, you know, I, I just don't know how to pray like Brother Britton, you know. Or, you know, I just don't, I just don't connect with God like Sister Jamie does, you know. And so I just, I'm just not going to... That's not okay with God. God is saying, I don't just want the church to connect in praise and worship to me. God is saying, I want you to know me. I want you to connect. Your heart and my heart connect. I want you to have a knowledge of who I am. I want you to embrace me. And I want to embrace you every single one of you. He says, I want that. And he says, until we uh, come to that knowledge and the, uh, the Son of God and become mature. You know what mature means? Uh, yeah, sometimes it means not being immature, not being childish anymore. But this word really means a perfection. It means coming to a place of perfection that, that, that you, are, you are complete. We talked about this Wednesday night in our small group. That you are complete. You are perfected. This is, and this is what God's saying. He's not saying that, you know, when I, when I add up your eight and nine and your eight and nine and your eight and nine and your eight and nine, then, you know, we're going to be pretty close to perfection. You know what God is saying? God is saying, I want you to be perfect. I want you to be, to be brought up into perfection. He said, I want you, your, your life to be complete. I don't want you to be a 10 in some areas and an 8 in some areas and a 6 in some areas. God says, I want you to be perfect. I want you to be mature. I want you to be complete. That's God's desire for you. It's not as a church, but all. Every single one of us be complete to the uh, whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know that word that we, we call ourselves Christian? You know what it means? It means Christ-like. And sometimes I think we sell it a little short. <clears throat> because sometimes what we do is we use the word like to mean close to or similar. That's not really what it means, okay? But, and you're going to see it right here. <clears throat> because sometimes, you know, we'll say something along these lines, such as, he looks just like his dad. Now, we don't mean he looks just like his dad, right? That'd be pretty bad for a two-day-old baby to look just like his dad, you know? You know, have a nose as big as his dad, you know, and have ears and, you know, that'd be pretty... We don't mean that. What we, we mean, they look similar. But that's not what Christian means. And, and, and listen, and this is not a, a beat you over the head with it. That's not what this is about this morning. But it's, this is what God, God is saying. I don't want you to be similar to me. God says, I want you to grow up to the full measure of who I am. I want you to have the complete measure of the fullness. He said, I want you to be exactly like me. What, God, what Christ is saying is he's saying, all those things that are in you that aren't like me, those are the things that are destroying your life. Those are the things that are killing you. Those are the things that are making you make bad decisions. Those are the things that are, that are robbing you of your joy. And he's saying, I want to get those things out of you until you become the full measure of who I am. He said, that, that is the goal, is for you to become the full measure, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that's what Christ says he wants to do in your life. Not as a church, but individually. And so, this corporateness, this corporate worship thing, this corporateness, wow, is so powerful in the life of an individual. This thing that we do on Sunday, you say because a lot of people think, okay, we do this for the church. We go to the church. We're blessing the church by being here. Yes, you are. You are. But you know that, that, that scripture where Paul is talking about uh, the church as Christ's body. 
And he talks about if all, you know, if all were a hand or if all were eyes, you know, where would everything else be? Let me ask you a different question with that. <coughs> which needs which the most? Look at my body right here. Do I need my foot? Yeah, I need my foot. I'm glad I've got both my feet. But which needs which most? Do I need my foot most? Or does my foot need the rest of the body most? Think about it. And in the same way, it's, that's the way it is with the church. Some people think they're doing the church a great blessing by showing up on Sunday. You are helping. Thank God you're here. You're encouraging. But it, just like you're, you may be the foot or the hand or that part, whatever, of the, of the body of Christ and say, yes, the church needs you, but you need the church a whole lot more than the church needs you. We need to get that. This corporateness is powerful in your lives because it brings all of this to pass. And you see, it's so easy for us to say, and I want you to understand, the corporate worship is not, it's not a panacea. It's not a, it's not a cure-all. You can't go live all your, and, uh, I know people like this, that they do everything they want to do Monday through Saturday. They live, they, live like, they live like the devil Monday through Saturday. think they can show up on Sunday, pray a little bit, and everything's fine. You know, you can get everything fine between you and God, but everything ain't going to be fine. You cannot sow all those bad seed all week long, show up and ask God to forgive you, and not reap the benefit or the bad from sowing the next week, sowing all the bad seed from the week before. It's not going to happen. This is not, this is not just a cure-all of being here together for an hour and 15 minutes. It's not, that's not what God intended this to be. This is, this is uh, in a way, it's a beginning. It is probably the most important thing you do as a Christian because of the strength and all the things that you get out of this. But it's not a cure-all. In, instead of a, a panacea, I'll give, you, I'll give you another strange word that we don't use a whole lot, is it, it's a microcosm. It's supposed to be, it's like a, a little picture. It is a one and a half, one hour and 15 minutes, or one and a half hour model of what your whole life, seven days a week, is supposed to be like. That's what, it, that's what it's supposed to be. It should be this microcosm. Let me show you right here. What do we do? What do we do when we come to church? Okay, we get into our style a little bit here, talking about this. We open with praise and worship, right? We praise and worship God for who He is, what He's done, all the things, the things that He means to us, and how wonderful He is, and our feelings toward Him. We praise and worship. Are we supposed to do that for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning? Is that what, is that what this is about? No. You see, this is a picture of what our life's supposed to be like all week long. Every single day that we wake up, we're supposed to be praising and worshiping Him. And as the Bible leads us to understand that even nature brings God praise just by being, you and I give God praise. Every, t- every morning we wake up and we appreciate the fact that God has given us another day. That's, that's glorifying Him. Every time we tell somebody, it's been a blessed day. God has just blessed me. I've got more than I deserve. I've got more than I could, I could ever thank God for. That's, that's praising and worshiping Him. I'm not saying you've got to walk around you know, with the the goalposts or, you know, or carrying the TV or what. I'm not saying you got to do that all week. I'm saying that's what, it's a microcosm of what your life is supposed to be like. And then after that, we normally pray. Britain normally comes up and leads us in prayer. You know, and, and at this point, we're not normally praying for ourselves. We're praying for others. We're praying for others' needs. How often are we supposed to be concerned about other people's needs? For five minutes while Britain's up here? Is that, is that, no. We're supposed to be concerned about other people all week long. You know, it's a microcosm of what our life is supposed to be like. And then we, uh, then we give. We give of ourselves. We give into the offering bag. We give of ourselves to ministry. You know, and are we supposed to just do that on Sunday? No. You know, and then what do we do? We have Word. We study the Word. For what purpose? We study the Word for direction, for instruction, and sometimes for correction and discipline. 
Are we only supposed to be concerned about the Word for an hour and 15 minutes? No. You see, it's a microcosm. And then we normally close with pray, a little praise and worship and also a prayer. And this prayer, at the end, it's not about other people. It's about us. We normally close with a prayer. And I say, I say you know, you got this need or whatever, da-da-da-da. I mean, even after the last song, Jamie offers normally almost every, every single service, she offers one more time. If you've got a need, the prayer team members are right here ready to pray for you. Please come. Let them pray with you. Just about every service. So we end with that. And you know what? We should be concerned about our needs, but also about what we need to change in our life. And not just at the end of the service on Sunday morning, but every single day of our life we should be concerned about that. Okay, but here's the thing. My goodness, I spent a lot more time there than I need to pointing all that out. But that's, it's a microcosm. What we're doing for an hour and 15 minutes is the life of a Christian in miniature. And we're supposed to spread that out throughout the week. But you know what? We don't, it's not just that it should be. I believe it really is. I believe how you act on a Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes is pretty much how you act the rest of the week. I mean, because if you're not much of a praiser throughout the week, you're not going to be much of a praiser on Sunday morning. I'm not talking about noise level. I'm just talking about that from your heart. If you're not worshiping God from your heart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're not going to be worshiping much in your heart. You know, you're going to be looking at your clock and be yawning or whatever. We're going to do two songs at the end of this service. If you haven't been worshiping all week long, you're probably going to be wondering, when in the world, she going to, how many more is she going to sing? I mean, that's the attitude you're going to have. If you're not a worshiper all week, you're not going to be a worshiper for an hour and 15 minutes. It, it, you know, if you're not a prayer all week, you're probably not going to get, you're going to let Britain do the praying and the people that join. You're not going to be saying, yes, God, amen, I agree with what he's saying, yes, God. You're not going to be involved in that prayer. But if, you, if you're the kind of person that, that says, yes, I'm, I'm concerned about people's needs and you get involved in that prayer, you're probably a person that's concerned about people's needs and praying for them all week long too. And the word, I mean, the, the, the word, you know, if you're one that, you know, you're worried about the roast that you left in the crock pot, it's going to get, you know, dried out if the pastor keeps preaching, 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 you know, it kind of gets in the word. I mean, you know, if you're not concerned about the word on Sunday, you're not going to be concerned about the word Monday through Saturday. I mean, you know, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a microcosm. It's a picture, really, of our attitude toward God, this hour and 15 minute that we do. And so, but here's what's good about it is if whichever one you want to make better, work, you can work on the other one. It'll make the other one better. You know, if you want your praise and worship to be better on Sunday, start praising and worshiping Him Monday through Saturday. Turn off Rick and Bubba and turn on some good praise music and just, just, remind, just make a list, a mental list. Just speak it out loud as you're driving down the road and tell God the things that you're excited about that He's done for you and you appreciate of Him. And it will change how you enter this sanctuary next Sunday when you come together to worship Him because you've been thinking about how good He's been to you all week long. You, you want, you want to, and it, it, so it'll change how this corporate worship is. But if you want to change your life, hey, then change your attitude about what you do right here. Start loving the prayer. And say prayer is the time we connect with God. Start getting so excited. Okay, Britain's going up. We're going to pray right now over something. I know, I know, you know, Britain, God's always talking to him. You know, he's got something he's going to share with us. We're going to pray about something. And, say, and you jump onto that prayer. It's going to change your attitude about prayer throughout the week. And the word as well. When you say, oh, I hope the pastor's got a lot of good word today. Because when you get that kind of an attitude, it's going to make you want to eat word Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. So whichever one you want to work on, work on the other one and it'll bless the other one. It'll make it happen. Okay. Now that's the meat. That's the deep. That's the stuff that you don't really shout a whole lot about. But now, let me give you some. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a meat and taters guy. You know, I like the taters. I don't like the vegetables so much. I love the starches. You know, I like that kind of stuff. Not stuff that's necessarily the best for you, but stuff that feels good. Let me give you some feel good too. I'm not going to leave you right there. We're going to go to that, okay, in just a moment. Here, here, here's a little bit of it. Here's, here's, 
Here's some of the why. Is it, is it say, uh, it's like worship is, corporate worship is like one table, okay? Now, uh, you know, we just came through the holidays, right? And, uh, you know, the holidays kind of begin with Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving, sadly, is not what it's supposed to be. Most of the time, Thanksgiving is about gorging out on all the good food of whoever cooks best in your family or whatever. And, and I think corporate worship, I just saw it in this symbol uh, a little over a week ago when, when, when I was working on this sermon. I just, I just saw my mom's Thanksgiving table, you know, and, and, and I, just, I just thought about that. How the, that's the way corporate worship is. And, you know, I, I was raised on my mom's cooking. You probably were raised on your mom's cooking, right? You know, and you know what? I, I learned when I was a kid, I learned that when we went to big, fancy gatherings with other family members, I learned that nobody else could cook like my mom. But then I also, every once in a while, I'd hear a cousin that thought my mom couldn't cook like their mom. You know, you know why? Because we were all raised. Me and my brothers, we were raised at one table. And our palates got used to a certain taste of this or that. There was a, a seasoning, a flavoring, or something about every dish that made it what it was. You know, and there, there's, there's a little bit of a church, church shopper mentality in, in the world today. And it's not just that people are bouncing around, uh, they go to a church for six months, go somewhere else for six months. It's that today there's a lot of people that are going somewhere for Sunday for a couple of weeks and going somewhere else, and they're back at that church, and they're back at this church, and they're back at that, and this over here, trying this one out. And yeah, and I, I like, oh, and whenever that guy preaches, that, or whenever they have that song, it's like, I want to be there, it's like this. But there's a problem with that. You know what? You never get to a place where you're really, you're developing a palette and where you're growing together in unity. You need to find your place. And, and listen, and, I, and sometimes I may say this in the wrong way because I kind of get teased for saying it the wrong way. Because I, I, I'm always running people off from the church. Is, you know, what I'm saying is if this is not the place for you, please go find it. You know, what I'm saying is, is, is if there's another church that you like attending four weeks out of five and you come here on the fifth one because you just, there's just a little something here, but that's really your place. Go to that place. That's where you need to be and develop the palate. Develop that unity with those brothers and sisters that are there and get that, like, that likeness of, of taste. And you know, because it, this is all about style, it's not about doctrine, okay? And, and, and we're not about, you know, building 2911, we're about building the kingdom. You know, and we, you know, we've said a lot of times, we don't care if we get people saved and we ship them out to other places. That's what God calls us to do. That's not what He's called us to do. God's called us to re- raise them right here. But if that's what happens sometimes, every once in a while, hey, that, we're good with that. We're, we're, not, we're not insistent about you being here. Here's what I'm insistent about, is that you be where you're supposed to be. Put your feet down and say, this is where I belong. And I make up my mind that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and God's called us to serve. Either right here or right there or right somewhere. And choose that place, get to that place. And become what God has called you to be because you can't do it. You know what? If I, if I had eaten in a different place on Monday night and a different place on Tuesday night, a different place on Wednesday night and Thursday, I'd never have a palate that says, oh, I like this. Or I, I wouldn't know. Listen, I wouldn't know what I liked. And I would always, come on now, I would always be searching for what I like and never able to find it and still lost searching for what I liked. Because it never fit. Because I don't, I don't even have a taste. I don't even have a style. You need to find the place you belong and get there and stick with it. If it's not here, please let us help you find it. I'm, I'm serious about that. I don't, I don't mean please leave. I'm, that's not what I, I, I want you to understand. You need to be at that place. But here's, here's the other good part of that. Now, we didn't make it easy on my mom. 
uh, Christmases and Thanksgiving dinners and those kinds of things. I've already told you I'm really more into starches than vegetables. As a matter of fact, I don't, there's not a pea out there that I like. I don't even know what peas there are, but I know there are black-eyed peas and English peas and field peas and I don't know what other kind of peas. I don't even like boiled peanuts because they remind me of peas. You know, I mean, when I, I thought, Ooh, this is horrible. You know, I go to my mom's house and eat this, you know, and call it something else. Uh, I, I don't like any kind of peas. Now, I, might, I might not get this exactly right, but this is close to it, okay? So I like green beans, especially the way my mom cooks them. And I was blessed several years ago to marry a woman whose mom cooks about as good as my mom. And she can, listen, you're going to feed me green beans? Don't open me a can of green beans. I want you to take some time with those green beans. Those green, those green beans are good when you, you got, yeah, you got to add some of that, I, I, some kind of pork. I don't care, you know, ham, hot, whatever it is you want to add in there. There's got to be some pork added there. It's got to flavor it the way I like it. And I like those kinds of green beans. You understand? But I got one brother that he likes every kind of bean except green beans. And then I got another brother that does like green beans, and he doesn't like the other bean that me and the other brother like. So you know what we do when we, go to, when we go to my mom's house for Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner, or other times that we might all get together? You know where we go? I, I, I show up there and I look and there's not anything I like? No. No, that's not what my mom does to us. My mom, she'll fix green beans and she'll fix limas. I think Joey likes limas and she'll fix, I don't know, she can fix peas and they may both like peas. I don't even care. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't matter to me what she fixes for them. I just know she fixes something for me every time I'm there. I mean, there's going to be something that I like. And, you know, the second, next generation, they like, they, they, for some reason, they like broccoli. Ah, broccoli, my goodness. I, I can't even figure out how you're supposed to eat broccoli. You know, but uh, they like broccoli, all except my son. My son, he's more, he's more meat and starches like me. Than, so he's not really into broccoli. He told me he ate a, a piece the other day, and he gagged, you know, and everything. So, so I mean, he and I are all, you know, we make it hard on my mom. But if my mom had a family this big, the night before Thanksgiving, if she had to stay up all night to make sure every one of you had what you liked, what you needed, my mom would, if that's what it took, my mom, I believe, my mom would do it. That's just the kind of mom I've got. That's the kind of father I've got in heaven too. When we come to one table on Sunday morning, it's not, here's what I got today. God stayed up all night. Preparing what you need, and you need, and you need, and you, and you, and you, every single one of us. We don't come to this table. You need to, you need to understand this. Because sometimes you might see somebody that seems like they've got it all together. And normally you look at the staff and you think that. We don't come to this table to eat what Britain needs, or what Deva needs, or what JC needs. God didn't just bring that today. He prepared a banquet, a feast. Psalm 23, you probably know it, but this is in a God's Word translation. It says, you prepare a banquet for me while my enemies watch. We're coming to a banquet. We have shown up for a banquet. I don't know what you thought you were coming to this morning. I don't know what you think church attendance is, but corporate worship is a banquet. God prepared a banquet. It's a feast. And there is something for everyone in this room today, all of us, not as a group, all single individuals. He prepared for you today. He knew you would be here. 
He knew what you're struggling with. Every single Sunday we come together, there is a banquet. There is a feast. And so I invite you. Would you come to the table with me this morning? Stan, let's come to the front to close this out. Whatever you need, whatever you need. I want to do something a little different. Take a moment here. This is Church Membership Sunday. We had six join in the early service. A couple of those I thought were going to be here at this service to join. But if there are those that were wanting to join this morning, would you please come forward and let's, let's handle that right now? I'd like to do it right now. We don't want to do it at the very end of the service, but I'd like to go ahead and do that right now. Are there, are there others? I know there's, uh, there's two that are out of town today that are wanting to join, two different families, so we might not have anybody to we got, we, got, we got one family that's been trying to join since October, and every time we have the service, it's not over their time, so I'm just going to have to make one next time they're here. Just want to make sure. I want to do that that way. Here's what we're going to do. Jamie is going to lead us in some, praise, some extended praise and worship. Don't, don't, don't head out on us, okay? Just stay right here just for a moment. Let's just, let's just pull up around the table together and just enjoy this time together. Here, but here's what I want you to do first. I want, I want you to, it um, may seem a little weird, but it'll be all right. And Jamie's going to start singing. You just go ahead and just, don't leave. Jump back into singing with her. Jamie's going to close the service. She'll have it. As soon as she starts singing, she'll be running the service from that point on. But I want to ask you, I want to ask you to turn around to at least six, eight, ten people. Hug somebody's neck, shake somebody's hand. And if somebody's standing near you and you don't know their name, be honest. Don't lie. Don't say, hey, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> Be honest. I had to stumble over a name this morning because I can't, I can't keep all you Shannons and Sharons separate. And I stumbled over Sharon and Brandon, and I don't know. I had to stumble over one of those because I can't keep all those separate here yet. I'm, try, I'm still working on those. But please, introduce yourself. Say, I'm sorry. I've seen you around a lot. That's okay. If you come tell me you don't remember my name today, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be offended. Tell somebody. Just say, hey, what? I've seen you around, but I, I don't know your name. Learn somebody's name. Uh, get to know somebody for just a moment. Would you do that? Turn around. Shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck. Encourage somebody. Get to know someone. 